0: This is the Michael Medved show
1: and another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth a great nation where the public is greatly agitated over one issue in particular right now and does it have to do with the economy a little bit does it have to do with crime certainly does it have to do with the general feeling that America is headed in the wrong direction yeah that too. So what's the issue? The issue is homelessness and uh, a new means of dealing with homelessness in Portland, Oregon, which has one of the most um, troubling prevalence of homelessness on the streets and in the parks and everywhere in the Rose City, as as Portland is known. Uh, They've come up with a perfect solution to homelessness, which is to set up Empty tents to accommodate more homeless people on the streets. Uh, we will get to that in just a moment. But first, the question what issue is making voters angry? This was a piece in Axios. And they report homelessness is a potent issue in local elections nationwide this year. You don't have to wait till 2024, but it Almost surely it will be a potent issue in the 2024 election for the U.S. Senate and for House of Representatives and for governorships and, yes, for the presidency. In local elections nationwide this year, often coupled with fear and anger about crime, homelessness is a potent issue. Why it matters? The pressure is driving candidates and elected officials, even prominent Democrats, including New York Mayor Eric Adams and California Governor Gavin Newsom, to embrace hardline approaches like involuntary commitment and arrests to clear illegal encampments. The uh, entangled problems of homelessness and crime helped oust uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot and now are poised to upend uh, municipal races in Denver, Phoenix, and Salt Lake City. So why not Portland? where things are worse than Denver, Phoenix, or Salt Lake City, well, let's introduce that with a uh, uh, proper spirit.
0: And now, another homeless solidarity moment from your cultural crusader.
1: Hallelujah, I'm a bum. Hallelujah, bum again. Hallelujah, give us a handout to revive us again. I don't like work, and work don't like me. And that is the reason I am so hungry hallelujah i'm a bum hallelujah bum again hallelujah give us a handout to revive us again okay that's um basically that's uh, a 90 year old recording uh and uh homelessness isn't a new problem but it was very different in uh the 1930s when uh, that recording was made from what it is now Because of why? Because of the prevalence of mental illness and addiction issues among homeless people. Uh, The headline is, activists plant empty tents to encourage homelessness in Portland, drug counselor says. Oregon has one of the highest rates of homelessness, but Portland's solution is all harm and no reduction. And the piece from Fox News begins... On a sidewalk littered with tarps, bicycles and discarded food containers, one tent sat farther away from the rest. It was clean, with the rain fly removed, uh, showcasing the vacant interior. This is an empty tent erected by activists to encourage people to live in tents, Kevin Dahlgren said. Kevin Dahlgren is a drug and alcohol counselor, and he is pictured looking into the empty tent. He um, reports, and it's, it's really it's hard to believe, that um, when you're not actually helping the permanent solutions, the old homeless stay there, and the new homeless come in, and everything just grows. Uh, during his 27 years in social services, Dahlgren says he's seen a shift from permanent solutions to Band-Aid approaches. Oregon has one of the highest rates of homelessness in the nation. An estimated 18,000 people were homeless in the state during the nationwide count last year, 11,000 of whom were unsheltered, according to the Department of Housing and Urban Development. The state and its largest city, Portland, have struggled to reverse the trend. I haven't seen any really permanent solutions being offered to anybody, said Anthony. A, uh, a, who told Fox News he became homeless earlier this year. The most that I've seen is just, you know, here, let me give you a really thin blanket. Let me give you a tent. Anthony told Dahlgren he's sober, so Dahlgren recommended he check out a traditional housing facility in North Portland. But uh, Dahlgren called Portland's current approach to addiction and homelessness all Harm and no reduction. They won't even offer the sobriety solution or the recovery solution, Dahlgren said. You're giving a person who already lacks critical thinking and rational thought the means to continue to use. And that's insane to me. And it feels really, really inhumane. This guy sounds terrific. We should have him on. He has worked in this field, worked to try to help people, and he can see why giving free tents that are set up near other existing encampments doesn't help. None of the homeless people Fox News spoke with hadn't uh, been encouraged to get addiction treatment or to find a way off the streets. There's one named Matthew who said he's never even been approached by an outreach worker. I'm the first outreach worker to talk to him in nine years in Portland, Oregon, Dahlgren said. I hear this every day. So where are they? With hundreds of unsanctioned camps uh, spread out across 146 miles, quote, it's impossible to hire enough outreach workers to meaningfully connect people to services, including shelter. That's what Mayor Ted Wheeler, recently reelected, said in a recent video. The situation is appalling. The photographs are appalling. The numbers are appalling. About 80% of the homeless have a history of addiction, Dahlgren said. In the wake of Oregon's first-in-the-nation drug decriminalization effort, open-air drug use has become the norm, and bystanders have become desensitized. They'll do their drugs right in front of cops, and the cops don't do anything, Anthony said. Which, I mean, that's good that the cops aren't ruining their lives even more. How is that good? If the cops stop you, it's not ruining your life. It's maybe saving your life. Widespread fentanyl is uh, increasing overdose deaths and desperation among Portland's homeless population, Dolgren said, contributing to the city's rampant property crime. I don't like steal from stores. I try to keep everything like legal as best I can said Josh, 33 years old, as he huddled in a doorway for warmth on a cold February day. A lighter clutched in his hand and a blackened piece of tinfoil at his feet. I personally just panhandle. What do you think that blackened tinfoil was about? It was about drugs, of course. Nonprofits in Portland distribute clean syringes, pipes, and overdose reversing naloxone. Terrific. Just just what you need to get people off the streets, right? You give them uh, more equipment to facilitate their drug habits. That should be the number one goal with homeless outreach, Tolgren said. How do we make them self-sufficient? How do we make them thrive? How do we get them off the streets? Well, you don't do it by setting up more free tents that are set up next to already existing encampments. 1 800 955 1776 is our phone number. We will be right back on the Medved Show with Is Biden Really Moving to the Center?
0: Coming up. Your outlet for outrage. Where's the outrage?
2: I'm shook up, and you know what's going to happen? I'm going to be driving down the road listening to all this. I'm going to wreck the car and
0: sue Michael Medved. Okay, don't sue (laughs) and don't wreck the car. The Michael Medved Show.
3: It is my high honor and distinct privilege
1: to introduce to you my friend, Michael Medved. Well, thank you, Vice President Pence. And Vice President Pence had a a good weekend because of a successful speech at the Gridiron Club. And it's the kind of event, the Gridiron Club, that uh, generally... Um, American presidents do attend. I don't know if Biden was invited this year or not. I don't know if uh, Biden exists or not this year. There's a very popular pastor who has a TV show who says that he has proof and he heard from God that Biden doesn't exist. These are body doubles, but we will get to that. Uh, There is no question about Biden being associated with... um, a shift to the center uh... the new york times reports president biden will formally approve a huge oil drilling project in alaska known as willow despite wide widespread opposition because of its likely environmental and climate impacts it is the latest sign that biden is moving toward the political center after he said he would repeal the dc crime bill and his administration said it wouldn't grant asylum to those passing through another country on their way to the United States. You probably heard about the more than 1,000 people in El Paso who tried to rush the bridge, and and most of them Venezuelan immigrants, so they were definitely coming through another country. They were crossing over from Mexico to try to get into the United States, and Venezuela is such a hellhole, you got to feel some sympathy for them. But the idea that you're going to fight uh, Border Patrol officers and you're going to resist law enforcement who are ordering you to stop and the fact that they are not allowing you to just come into the country unimpeded, this is a sign that um, Biden is moving to the center because that particular episode uh, appears to have been a success for the border patrol they they do not believe that most of the one thousand people including a bunch of families from venezuela actually made it into el paso this is um... uh... also news it says um, uh... the uh... the idea that um, a latest sign that biden is moving toward the political center after he said he would repeal a dc crime bill and his administration said it won't grant asylum To those passing through another country on their way to the united states vice president kamala harris and her allies are pointing fingers at members of their own party amid concerns among leading democrats that she could be a campaign liability well of course she's going to be a campaign liability of course she is especially given the likelihood that um the Republicans, because there are many people to choose from, whoever the Republican nominee is, uh, you have all kinds of impressive people and impressive resumes to choose from. Not just Nikki Haley, though people talk about her, but Governor Noam of South Dakota. Uh, people are talking about Governor uh, Sanders, Governor Huckabee Sanders of uh, of Arkansas, just elected and uh, Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa. Uh, Yes, there are Republicans who are far more credible than, uh, than Kamala Harris. Apparently, Harris had a misunderstanding with Senator Elizabeth Warren, who was asked whether Harris should be Biden's running mate in 2024 during an interview in January. Warren has since called Harris twice to apologize, Because she said, I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't answer that. And uh, she has since called Harris twice to apologize, but the vice president hasn't returned the call. Biden has largely stayed quiet on the issue of whether he would support a U.S. ban on TikTok. A major unspoken problem for the president, according to political strategists, is that trying to force an outright ban on TikTok as many Republicans are seeking uh, would sacrifice what is emerging as a vital campaign asset for Democrats with the 2024 election season looming. So lots of problems on, uh, on the left. And on the right, there was this CNN report of Mike Pence speaking at the gridiron dinner in Washington, D.C. Listen.
3: Big news in the GOP presidential primary last night as former vice president Mike Pence went further than he ever has before behind closed doors at the gridiron dinner here in Washington, describing his harrowing experience at the Capitol on January 6th and delivering a blistering new line of attack against his former boss and frankly many in his own party saying about that day, quote, tourists don't injure 140 police officers by sightseeing. Make no mistake about it. What happened that day was a disgrace and it mocks decency to portray it in any other way. I know that history will hold Donald Trump accountable.
0: That's
1: uh, about as clear as it could be. And it, it kind of goes to what uh, what Mike Pence used as a, a, a gag line, but I think he meant it. He said, uh, look, I wanna make it very clear uh, that uh, people asked me, I um, Would I support a candidate who is nominated by the Republican Party? Would I support anybody who's nominated by the Republican Party, the nominee of my party? And he said, I will absolutely, without any hesitation, as long as it's me. Which uh, I, I think is a, an accurate answer. I, given the, the bad blood and the behavior of Donald Trump on January 6th and leading up to January 6th, can anyone blame... Uh, Vice President Pence from hesitating about giving a, a blanket, a, a, an advanced uh, endorsement for uh, President Trump. The um, Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, argued the culture war agenda that brought him national attention. This is in his first trip to Iowa and he said it isn't just good policy it can help Republicans on win elections he raised again the woke ideology that has infected American institutions such as education healthcare, and business DeSantis took a veiled swipe at Trump by saying that his administration in Florida gets things done without a, a palace intrigue and That uh, all leaves us with um, the idea, will Biden be the nominee? There's uh, actually a a voice that's saying that Biden can't be the nominee because he doesn't exist anymore. I don't know what exactly happened to him, but we will go to that theory of Biden and body doubles and uh, more coming up on The Medved Show in addition to... uh, An episode at Stanford, which illustrates just how wrong the whole woke agenda can become. And wrong and warped. We will be right back on The Medved Show.
2: Your voice will matter.
1: The
0: Michael Medved Show.
2: So I just got one
3: question for you. Are you fired up? Your outlet. Are you ready to go?
0: For outrage. Fire. This is the Michael Medved Show. Let's go change the world.
3: Do you ever get the feeling that the world is being held together with duct tape? Every day we're thrown some new meaningless drama in the fake news to distract us from the reality we're all about to face between the government trying to print their way out of debt, military conflicts, the disintegration of our most trusted institutions, and it'll show.
1: And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, there's a pastor named Hank Kuhneman. I'd never heard of him before. But he apparently has a very successful ministry. It is called One Voice Ministries and he asserted over the weekend in his Sunday sermon to a large congregation, and a large television audience, that uh, Joe Biden's administration does not exist and that the president had been replaced with a body double. How does he know? Different looking earlobes. Pretty suspicious. In uh, a Sunday sermon, Kuhneman told his eager congregation, that woke endeavors would fail it sounded like this
3: a fake administration 46 that does not exist interesting that god said that from the very start november 4th this is a fake administration it doesn't exist why would he say that and then you got a guy when i look at pictures i don't know how many guys are trying to be him oh you're a conspiracist no i'm a realist I'm a cartoonist. I can recognize when somebody doesn't look the same. First of all, you got different looking eyes, different looking head, head different looking earlobes. Well, Pastor, you're, you're just one of those conspiracies. I don't read conspiracies. I don't even listen to the news. I'm just telling you when I've seen pictures, I'm like, what are you trying to do? You're trying to pull a wool over our eyes. And I ain't buying it because I ain't deceived. That's just a side note because I had to put a little political commentary in there. Look at Revelation 13, verse 8. Oh, look him up. I even matched his signatures once. Somebody sent it to me like, I need the same signature. Come on. Boy, some people are mad right now. <laughs> Don't mess with my Biden. Well, no, B-Y-E-D-O-N-E. Biden. Bye, there you go. I'm not playing their game. Thank you.
1: He has also uh, described himself as a prophet, and which I guess. And, um it's and he he when whenever somebody says I'm not into conspiracy theories, they're probably just getting ready to try to get you to accept a particularly preposterous conspiracy theory i mean this is this is genuinely sad, and it's also too bad. Speaking of conspiracy theories, um there was a program at Stanford University. And it's been written about in the National Review. It will be written about elsewhere. The president of the university has now apologized. But it's really incredible when you listen to it. Because this is at Stanford Law School, which is one of the top-rated law schools in the United States. It's no Yale, but it's an awfully good law school. And they brought in a district appellate judge, uh, Fifth Circuit Judge, uh, Stuart Kyle Duncan. He was speaking for a Federalist Society event, and he was speaking on the topic of the Fifth Circuit in conversation with the Supreme Court, COVID, guns, and Twitter. And sounds interesting. I mean, if you're interested in the legal issues at all. And uh, it sounded like this when Judge Kyle Duncan was trying to speak. Listen. Duncan! So, you've invited me to speak
2: here, and I'm being heckled nonstop. Yeah. And I'm just asking for an administrator to sign <laughs> like so up. That's an administrator. you You're Your racism is showing. I would like, like it as so well. Can can I'm not going to be a, a second. Second. Yes. Wait, just respect my woman. If you want a high hygienist, you have gotten what you wanted, take it. Like, do you want an echo chamber? What's the issue? Can I help I guess I have all the they not, not letting they're not letting Go ahead.
1: Okay, and uh then uh they finally got an administration to step up and the administrator didn't he did quiet the students down, but he did that by attacking the judge. Listen. I just say
2: I'm deeply deeply uncomfortable. Um, I'm uncomfortable because this event is tearing at the fabric of this community that I care about and I'm here to support. And I don't know, and I have to ask myself, and I'm not a cynic to ask this, is the juice worth the squeeze? (laughs) It is an
1: aesthetic.
2: But for many people in this law school who work here, who study here, and who live here, your advocacy, your opinions from the bench land as absolute disenfranchisement of their rights so and dusling yeah. and it impacts directly their people humans their families and their communities and i'm uncomfortable and it's uncomfortable to say this to you as a person it's uncomfortable to say that for many people here your work has caused harm has caused harm. And I know that must be uncomfortable to hear. I
1: know that must be... It has caused harm? And uh, the administrator ended on a slightly more reasonable note by saying that students who don't want to listen to him should simply leave the room. Well, they didn't listen. And
2: I hope if you learn anything, that you can listen through, you can listen through your partisan lens, the hyper-political lens, and just look and see human beings who are asking you to take care. And like all guests on our campus, we ask that you come with good intentions and respect. And I do want to hear your remarks, and I do want to say thank you for protecting the free speech that we value here of our speakers and of our protesters. And I want to remind you all of one thing. I chose to be here today. You all chose to be here today. Many people go before Judge Duncan who do not necessarily choose to be there. And they have to listen to everything he says. Literally thousands of people. You have a choice. You do not need to stay here if this is not where you wanna be. You can stay here if this is where you want to be right now. But make that choice. If you do choose to stay here, I do think we should give space um, to hear what Judge Duncan has to say, and I hope that also you will take question and answer and comment section to say what you need to say and to ask the questions you need to ask.
1: Okay, this um, has provoked an apology from the president of Stanford, and he got back a letter from Judge Duncan where he made clear that his problem was not with the students because they're Stanford students and they're told that this is somehow it it's, would damage them to even listen to him speak. But with the administrators who suggest that if you hear an opinion you don't like or with which you might disagree, you don't even know because you haven't listened to any of it. By the way, speaking about opinions you don't like, Stanford University, this is on NBC, is condemning an anti-Semitic incident on campus in which swastikas and an image resembling Hitler were left on a student's dorm door. The images were discovered on whiteboard affixed to the door Friday morning in what the Stanford administration described as a brazen threat to an individual student. The school said in a letter to students, the campus public safety department is investigating it as a hate crime. The school also posted a notice to its protected identity harm site where incidents of hateful and discriminatory conduct can be reported. Purposefully intimidating and threatening people based on protected identities is antithetical to Stanford's values, the notice said. Anti-Semitism and other acts of hate and intolerance are unacceptable at this campus. What about the, the acts of shouting down A federal jurist who's been appointed, he was appointed by President Trump, he's been confirmed by the Senate, he is serving with distinction, and he's willing to come speak to them. It's unbelievable. Uh, We will be right back on The Medved Show.
0: The greatest show on God's green earth. Save us from the madness. It's The Michael Medved Show.
1: On the Michael Medved Show, concerning that Stanford incident, um, the uh, president of Stanford, whose name is Mark Tessier Levine, and the dean of Stanford Law School, whose name is Jenny Martinez, (coughs) issued a joint letter of apology to Judge Kyle Duncan for the violations of university policies on speech that prevented him from speaking Uh, Last Thursday is when that happened. The um, president of Stanford and the dean of the law school wrote, we write to apologize for the disruption of your recent speech at Stanford Law School. As has already been communicated to our community, what happened was inconsistent with our policies on free speech. And we are very sorry about the experience you had while visiting our campus. And uh, he wrote back. And he said, I appreciate receiving President Mark Tessier-Levines and Stanford Law Dean Jenny Martinez's written apology for the disruption of my speech at the law school. I am pleased to accept their apology. Uh, I hope a similar apology is tendered to the persons in the Stanford Law School community most harmed by the mob action. The members of the Federalist Society, who graciously invited me to campus, such an apology would also be a useful step toward restoring the law school's broader commitment to the many many students at stanford who while not members of the federalist society nonetheless welcome robust debate on campus finally the apology promises to take steps to make sure this kind of disruption does not occur again given the disturbing nature of what happened Clearly, concrete and comprehensive steps are necessary. I look forward to learning what measures Stanford plans to take to restore a culture of intellectual freedom. Uh, And meanwhile, there's also an issue that the Biden administration believes involves freedom, which is um, the issue of banning, as Florida has, as along with a growing number of other states, to prohibit gender-affirming procedures, which means operations that change your body forever, um, and, uh, and prescriptions for minors with gender dysphoria. This is for people under the age of 18. Uh, it is the only state to do so not through legislative action but through a vote of its medical boards. Here is uh, President Biden... Talking about federal legislation that he would favor to overcome that prohibition. Clip seven. Transgender kids is a really harder thing.
3: What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, what what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're gonna be held accountable.
1: Okay, but you're talking here not about people in same-sex marriage who might be 20 or 25, you're talking about kids who might be 12 and the idea that there should be some restrictions on this kind of radical procedure uh, on children even if their parents favor it before they've even entered puberty there's studies in Sweden that have just shown conclusively that a very high percentage probably a majority of young people who get so called gender affirming surgery uh, or treatment where they take hormones to stop them from developing in the sex in which they were created or in which they were born, this affects you permanently. It, 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 you, you can't get over it. And it turns out that a, a lot of the children who have gone through this procedure want it reversed. They want to go back to being the sex in which they were born. And this is why it's so radical and so inappropriate and so depressing to hear uh, a transgender journalist uh, speaking with Ali Velshi on CNN and basically saying there's something Nazi-like about preventing what is a a very brutal and life-changing procedure that uh, they're trying to restrict to people who are grown up or at least have completed puberty. Uh, Listen, 13. I think that what we're seeing across the board right now is a road test for authoritarianism in the United States. How can you sort of um, separate, demonize, stigmatize uh, an entire group of people uh, in order to build the type of society that religious zealots want? And they're trying this and eerily what i get confused by is why people don't see that that's what's happening um don't understand that in some ways that we are this is a prototype just like the early 1930s were in germany i'm not saying that this is an equivalent period in terms of what is no, but, ultimately but, they did, going but
3: they did road test everything in 1930s germany that's right exactly. they, you, they went after that's trans exactly. and gay people first and they and they and they tried no, that they out didn't. and society was like well i don't really understand them
0: and it doesn't really matter to me that's exactly right. And That's the same exactly thing is happening
1: wrong. Here, sorry, let, let him continue. Just uh, no. Okay, it's it's exactly wrong. And uh, again, there are whole books written about this. This is one of the myths about Hitler, the early Nazi Party, and uh, there there was a uh, the the creator of the SA, which used to be together with the SS, was gay, and his name was Siegfried Rom. And they had the Night of the Long Knives, where, yes, Hitler had them all killed, but that was a struggle for power. And the idea that uh, Hitler road-tested attacking the Jews uh, on gay people or trans people, first of all, the whole idea of trans people is not something that that existed until the day before yesterday. And it's it's an absurdity. It's an absurdity to say that it is appropriate for children, for children, before they have even experienced being a mature male or a mature female. Um, meanwhile, speaking of mature males and females, uh, the film that was the big winner last night, seven Oscars, including Best Picture, it became only the third film in Hollywood history to win three of the four acting awards. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Listen.
0: Now it's time for MedVed's Entertainment Minute. Michelle Yeoh, the veteran martial arts star of major film hits like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Crazy Rich Asians, now stars as a middle-aged proprietor of a struggling American laundromat who faces major challenges from an IRS agent played by Jamie Lee Curtis. In the surprise hit and Oscar contender, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now available on multiple streaming services. Mrs. Wang, are you with us? I am paying attention. I can see where this is. story is going it does not look good and despite the acclaim and popularity that this unusual unconventional frequently incoherent film has accumulated this nearly two and a half hour slog doesn't look good to me either rated R for frequent scenes of mostly comic violence two stars for what may be one of the most overrated pictures of the year everything everywhere all at once
1: and uh, I stand by that review, even though we did it some time ago. I, I Do I recognize the inventiveness of the film and the whole idea of the hot dog fingers and there's a a sort of a sword fight there with sex toys, uh, which is considered to be one of the dramatic and creative highlights. And yes, there is a giant everything bagel. You know, everything bagels are supposed to have all the different seasonings in them. Uh, it has its moments. I'm happy for the stars and for their comeback. And I hope they make a more coherent and watchable movie next time. Uh, I know that we're going to get angry comments on my, my less than thrilled commentary. I, I did like the Oscar show. Next time on the Medved Show tomorrow, we'll be talking to Ilan Berman. Uh, about Israel approaching a red line as Iran's nuclear dreams near fulfillment. Peter Coy of the New York Times uh, will talk about the depth of the bank collapses. Uh, Is it going to spread across the country, or is it getting controlled? And then the rise of father absence and its attendant
0: social ills, more damage than we even believed before to this greatest nation.